Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we're back uh, for this week leading up to uh, August 23rd, proper 16, for those following along. Uh, on their liturgical calendars. Um, we are sans guest today. Back to the... Just, just um, the core crew. Just the core. You know, the rock on which this podcast is built. <laughs> is how I would refer to it. And uh, we are excited to get into um, this reading for this upcoming Sunday. Uh, but first, Charlotte, I want to uh, check in with you, like we do every week, and uh, see if you could give us both, maybe like a combo update on something that's been going on in your ministry, but also where you saw God this week. Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys have heard us speaking about on the podcast of late, um, as a diocese, we have been taking a trip on the Rocky Railway. And it has been a source of joy for many of us, that opportunity to collaborate together, to put together this product to offer to children and families throughout our diocese. And this last Sunday was the final episode, week five of the Rocky Railway. Mm. And there was a very special beginning slash send off to this trip that we took together. And it featured youth ministry and children's ministry leaders from around the diocese offering a brief um, reflection. But then youth of our diocese, some of which who are engaged in the dismantling racism curriculum and others who had requested to be involved, offered a special reflection with each of them reading a line um, that I'm about to share the entire thing with you, but each of them reading one line and the voices coming from all around our diocese, from the desert, from the mountains, from the south, from the north, um, just everywhere represented in this one prayer. And what they offered was this. Neither distance nor depression, nor climate nor COVID, neither injustice nor racism, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And one of the gifts to me in all of that was that I curated those videos. I was the distribution center. They all came into me and being able to watch them as they came in and the seriousness and the depth of emotion and the joy that it brought them to connect in that way, knowing that all that they got to see was their one line that they offered, but knowing that their one piece of that offering was going to be this really amazing and deep gift that we got to give to the rest of our diocese. So when it streamed on Sunday at three o'clock, it was very moving for me to see all of their faces come one after the other as they read this together in community. And it was a reminder to me that even though we can't get together in one place to create something, God's still moving through us and creating things in ways we never have before. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, you can all actually go uh, see it if you want mm -hmm. on the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego's YouTube page. Uh, you can see all of those um, 
uh, Rocky Railway uh, VBS videos that um, the team from the from EDSD, including Charlotte and Greg Tuttle, and then all the people that contributed, uh, put together, including you, including me. <laughs> <laughs> I was on there. I played Peter one time. Um, so thank a big thanks to all of those people that we just named uh, for everyone that that took part uh, in that VBS offering, uh, and to you, Charlotte, for for working on it so hard. To Greg Tuttle for his hard work and and everyone that contributed. Everybody can go check those out uh, at the EDSD uh, Episcopal Diocese of San Diego's YouTube page, also on the Facebook page. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, look for maybe more kind of more of those kind of offerings coming up in the fall. Uh, and we'll we'll see how those develop and we'll tell you about those as they happen. But now we're going to get into uh, the gospel for this Sunday. And remember, we always want to hear from you as we discuss the gospel. We want to hear how your discussions and reflections are going on uh, the gospel every week. You can email us any of your questions, comments, stories, or reflections from this week of faith discussion or reflection uh, to faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you can also always find the faith to go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact us and follow us on Instagram at faith to go. And so without further ado, we will get into uh, the gospel for Sunday, August 23rd, proper 16. Charlotte will read it, and then we'll each take uh, uh, some time to highlight one point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and reflection, and then we'll close with a third point that we'll uh, collaborate on. So Charlotte's going to read uh, Matthew sixteen thirteen to 20, and then we'll get into it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Okay, so... Peter with the keys to the kingdom. That's right. Doing? It's like getting the keys to a city. You know? <laughs> I've heard that those don't actually open anything. So hopefully these are different kinds of keys. They are actually functional. Um, we're here in chapter 16 and we're about, we're like a, we're, we're not exactly following uh, the Canaanite woman story from last week because between then and this story, there's the second feeding of the 4,000. That, that uh, duplicate story in Matthew of the miraculous feeding story. Um, and then uh, Jesus um, doing some teaching. And so, and then we get to this part in chapter 16. So the end of chapter 15, kind of the middle of chapter 15 was the Canaanite woman from last week. Now we're in kind of the middle section of chapter 16. And 
and just a, a com as just to place Jesus geographically. Remember last week he was in Tyre and Sidon and talking to a Canaanite woman. In other gospels, this woman, this interaction is 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 with a Syrophoenician woman, which is just another region, kind of north and west of Jesus's home region of Galilee. And now we're in Caesarea Philippi, which is in a kind of a different you know, Roman province, and it's up kind of northeast of Jesus's home region of Galilee. So he's kind of up outside of his main kind of um, lo- local area where he is from. So it's interesting to think about Jesus kind of venturing out and like we talked about last week, crossing these lines of difference to be in, in conversation with other with these other people going out and doing ministry and healing and teaching and preaching out in these regions that traditionally would not have been the regions that he initially sent his own disciples into, which were the regions of the lost sheep of Israel, right? So he's like going outside um, to different areas. So just keep that in mind that Jesus himself is pushing beyond the boundaries, his own kind of locality and his own boundaries of kind of personal comfort uh, where he grew up and, and kind of venturing beyond those those lines of difference. Um, and that's adding something to his ministry, like we talked about last mm-hmm. week and, and the same this week. So um, mm-hmm. Charlotte has the first point for today. I do. And sometimes, David, you and I choose to do things kind of chronologically as they travel through. And sometimes we go in reverse order. And then sometimes we just decide who's going first. And I think this week might be one of those. <laughs> Um, Because mine kind of comes smack in the middle of what we have read today, but it really struck me and it seems like a logical place for us to start our conversation today. And that is this verse that goes, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And as I prepared for our conversation today, and I was sitting with this verse, I, of course, flashed back to your magnificent performance in our VBS skit Mm -hmm. as Peter, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in that section, in that skit, for those of you that didn't have the joy of watching our skill, um, comes a bit later. And that is as Peter denies Jesus three times. Mm -hmm. And Peter is suffering as part of those choices that he made. Um, those behaviors that he executed. And I find it really interesting that we have Jesus prior to that saying to Peter, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Because we know that Jesus knows what is to come. Jesus knows the trajectory of his life and what is to come. And he tells Peter right before then, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up, right? So, So why is Jesus calling Peter the rock? Jesus doesn't say to Peter, Peter, you are perfect. Thank you for being the most wonderful and amazing human being ever made. And for this great reward, I am going to build my church on you because of your perfection. He says he's the rock. Mm -hmm. And when I think about people in my lives that I name as rocks, Mm -hmm. they are the people that are there for me through thick and thin, no matter what obstacles come in our ways, no matter what choices we make in life. In fact, the people who are my rock who love or who loves me when I am at my very worst. They are the people that I can go to when I am feeling frail, when I am feeling broken, and when I am convinced that I am wholly unlovable and that person who is my rock will be there for me. And I wonder about what opportunity 
It provides for all of us. If Jesus, knowing everything that was to come for Peter and all of the ways in which his human shortcomings were going to become very, very evident, before that happened, told Peter that he was his rock. Mm -hmm. You are the rock on which I will build my church. Maybe he said that to reassure Peter. Maybe he said that so that he would know no matter what went wrong, that he was still someone to be counted on and that he still was going to have this tremendous impact in the world. And maybe as we look at it, we get to consider the ways in which our own imperfections can lead us to help others. Mm-hmm. Ways in which the maybe the worst moments of our lives, or at least the less than ideal moments of our lives, will inform our ministry and our relationships with others. What opportunity does it provide for us to be a rock for others when we consider the fact that you don't have to be perfect for that role? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I love that Jesus is saying, like, that just like the general idea then is that this kingdom of heaven, this this thing is built on the foundation, not like you're saying of perfection, but of the capacity to try and to mess up, mm-hmm. to wonder, to be changed. Um, and, and, and Peter is so important to us, so important to the gospels, not just as a, as a follower of Jesus, not just as a disciple, not just as an eventual evangelist, but as our, our entryway into experiencing Jesus because Mm -hmm. Jesus is this or Peter is the stand in for all of us responding the ways that we would like to have responded, you know, (laughs) and getting rebuked for it because it doesn't take, it doesn't, we don't even have to wait until like you were talking about our skit. You don't even have to wait until the end of the gospel for people to mess for Peter to mess up next. (laughs) It is actually only, it's actually, if you look in your Bible, it's actually only three more verses. Oh, no. Because right after this, <laughs> Jesus goes on to say, and, you know, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And Peter rebukes him and says, God, for God forbid it, Lord, that must never happen to you. And then Peter gets hit with get behind me, Satan, from Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. And that's the very next thing that happens, you know. So so even so, like, just it's like it's like what Jesus is holding up as like the foundation of the kingdom of heaven is our capacity to just want to grow, to just yes. want to try, to just want mm-hmm. to be transformed, you know, yeah. and and that's what's so great about Peter. You know, he's he last week he gets at he may be like the punchline of the joke, right? But he's always <laughs> trying. Yeah, you know, he gets out of the boat. We can say whatever yes. we want about why or like how he messed up or how he had little faith when he did it, but he got out, you know. And Peter is just constantly trying. Messing up and trying, messing up and trying. And that's, that is why, to, again, what you're saying, that is why he is such a good candidate for the one to, to hold the, the keys, you know, mm-hmm. because it's a beautiful idea that the kingdom of heaven is based on this idea that the, the entry yes. point into it is trying and failing, not being yes. perfect, to your point. Correct. And so, and that kind of, that kind of, that kind of experiential way of talking about the kingdom of heaven is, is is my is the second point which is mine and what i what jumped out to me about this is the way that kind of jesus is encouraging his disciples to go out then into the world um 
and how and it and the what it seems like he's encouraging them to do in terms of how they communicate this this good news of the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. um, that Peter has been, just been given the the keys to because he it's it's two things to me that combine to make to to give us this kind of interesting directive on how we are called to share the good news. Um, after Peter gives him his response, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus's reply is, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And it's interesting because we just talked about these miracle stories, these Jesus making all the fish and the loaves, Jesus walking on water. It's like there were a lot of flesh and blood things that revealed that something was pretty significant about Jesus right. to Peter. And there's a, there's another thing to remember about this word Messiah is that there was a a messianic expectation, you know, for what the Messiah would be like, look like, act like, and what that Messiah would do. And Jesus really never fit the mold of this messianic expectation. And so for Jesus to say flesh and blood, like, has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven is to say, you have been able to open your mind to the possibility that is beyond what you've been told this thing is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, so even that is like an indication of Jesus's ex- hope for them to have this kind of wondering what we call, what we say in the, in a, in one of the baptismal prayers and is an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage mm-hmm. to will and to persevere, you know? And then at the end, uh, Jesus it says that Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah, which is so interesting because we, if Jesus's hope was for, for, to convert people to a religion that worshiped him, then it would really benefit Jesus for people to believe that he was the tell Messiah. Tell the good news. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> right. But it's interesting to think about how that doesn't seem to have been the good news to Jesus. Jesus is identity. Jesus being the Messiah to him was not the good news of the kingdom of heaven, it seemed like, because he does encourage them to preach the good news. And at the end of the gospel, he's going to tell them to go to the ends of the earth, to all the nations of the world, and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the name of this good news, to tell people about this good news. And so, but he's also, it also seems like what he is saying then is that this good news is not just about me and my identity and who I am. This has to be about who you are, who God mm-hmm. is to you, and who you all are to one another. Yeah. And and I think that, and it's interesting because it, chronologically in the in the Bible, then we go from the Gospels with we go from the Gospels to Acts to Paul, who is. And Paul is making Jesus very much the center point of his mm-hmm. proclamation of the good news of the gospel. I preach Christ and Christ crucified, you know. And not that there isn't room for Christ and Christ crucified for Jesus in our in our proclamation of the good news, in our evangelism. But what Jesus is, I think, inviting us to is, is that this combination of what has been revealed within to us and then not using Jesus's identity as the as the central thing of how we preach good news and share about the good news in our context. It's much more about our, what has been revealed to us from God. That seems to be what he's highlighting in Peter's response and in Peter's journey. 
So it's like if our challenge was, and I'm not saying that we have to do this, but like think about just as a thought experiment, would you, how would, how would you be able to express the good news of the kingdom of heaven if you, if you could not use the name Jesus or Christ? You know, if you couldn't talk about the Messiah or the Savior, how would you talk about being saved? How would you talk about being healed? How would you talk, how would you express it, how would you express it simply as, with the core of it being what has been revealed to you by God and how God has worked in your life and how your life has been transformed in the way that you are in relationship with God and with yourself and with other people and with all of creation. Not that you're not allowed to talk about Jesus, but just as a way of responding to this, because Jesus is saying, don't tell anybody about me. My identity is not what's important. What's right. important is God and God's mm-hmm. identity and God's relationship to you and to one another and to in, in, in your life. So I just think that's what's so interesting to, to think about and, and interesting to see how, you know, what we have developed to being very much Jesus identity centric in our mm-hmm. messaging, in our theology, and how Jesus didn't seem to be nearly as as interested in what people, who people thought he was, and getting that right. He was much more interested in people getting right their relationship with God. And as I'm listening to you talk, David, the thing I keep coming back to is that you know it doesn't matter. It goes along with the like is the right way to pray and mm-hmm. and all of those things, right? Um, but how do we live the message? Is that what the question is here? Is like, how do you live the message every day? How do you live into your faith? How do people know that you're a Christian? You know, how are you the rock on which the church is built? Like mm-hmm. all of those questions of like, though maybe that's the real question is that it's not about praying the right way or saying the right things or, or doing it out loud, but it's how you choose to live each and every day. Yeah, and I think that that goes to our third our third point, which we imagine as more of kind of like a, an invitation to you listening to do some reflecting mm-hmm. on Jesus's question to his disciples here. You know, thinking thinking about how Jesus is interested in much more like what has been revealed individually, experientially to Peter than what he has been to- what Peter has been told or taught doctrinally about the Messiah. Mm-hmm. We like I I think it's much more interesting to ask ourselves not to repeat what we've been taught theologically from whatever religious you know institutions or formation or education we've gotten who Jesus is, but to ask ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. what how do we conceptualize Jesus? Uh, how do we under what do we understand of Jesus's identity? You know, like how would I describe Jesus and Jesus's ongoing presence or work? And 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 to know that whatever you come up with is okay. Like we yeah. are all theologians. We're not we're not just here to be receivers of theology. You know, we are making we are making theology all the time. And we're just to, yeah, and just to wonder like taking into account all of the realities of our worlds, of our lives, of our communities, who is who who does the world need Jesus to be now? You know, and and who is who do we who do we need Jesus to be and how and what is like what is the identity of Jesus that is bubbling up to the to the surface within us? What has been revealed to us about this important identity of this person? 
Yeah. And I think that for me, David, I think that the conversation could be almost a, a an exploration, you know, so it doesn't have to as necessarily be just a, let's all reflect on this one question together. But I really like that in this section of scripture that Jesus starts off by asking them who who do these other people say is the son of man? Mm-hmm. And then he follows up by saying, who do you say I am? Right. And I think that contextually for us, that it's very powerful to consider how is the world naming God right now? Right. right? Mm-hmm. And how am I naming God, both with my words and my actions, right? Like who am, if I name in my heart who is God right now, is that reflected in how I live my life each day? Mm-hmm. Where am I called to live my life differently to be a better reflection of what I believe God to be? And what does the world need right now that the world is not saying? Or is saying, sending an absolute opposite message that makes it so clear that something different is needed? Right, 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 right. So uh, that's three points. Um, point number one was Charlotte's, and it was about... Uh, Peter's example of, you know, the beauty of this imperfect person always trying and failing as the fa- the very foundation of the kingdom of heaven and how that is our entryway into knowing that we are part of that foundation. We are part of that kingdom in all of our imperfections. Um, second was mine. And it was uh, that the importance that Jesus seems to be pointing to of Coming, becoming aware of our experience of God and not just what we've been told is true about God, but knowing that our experience is going to be the most profound and true thing we can share if we're talking about um, the kingdom of heaven and what is the good news of that kingdom, much more than just you know doctrinal statements about Jesus's identity. And then the, th- the last one was kind of a, a, an invitation to discussion about where we see this tension of where how God or how Jesus or how Christianity is being presented out in the world, what is what people are telling telling you is true about it, and what your actual experience of it <laughs> is, and what you believe the world needs it to be. So, having heard uh, those points in that conversation, we invite you to read again Matthew sixteen thirteen to twenty. See if anything new jumps out. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear uh, any of your reflections or answers from that final point, that question that we posed to you, or any comments or questions from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you can find all the faith to go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. We will be back next week with Proper 17 for August 30th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.